Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. And today we're going back in time a little bit uh, to talk about Jeffrey Thomas and his collection Punk Town. Punk the original. Town. From way back in 2000. Yeah. Now, um, I think you and I have the same edition printed copy, correct? No, I have... Um... I have an e-copy of this book oh. um, yeah. by Dark Fuse mm. that I picked up from uh, Kindle or whatever. Oh, nice, nice. Amazon. I have a, I have a uh, hard copy of it. I forget who published it. But, yeah, I got mine signed uh, at Necronomicon 2015. I remember that. So it was really nice. You were carrying around a satchel of books, and that was one of them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, now, Punktown is is a extrasolar colony of Earth, um, officially named Paxton, but everybody calls it Punktown. Right. So yeah. So it's a. Uh... It's one of those things where the the Earthers um, basically colonized a planet and uh, more or less became the dominant culture on this alien world. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing so, they also opened up the world for um, other um, non-human races to exist. So you get like this hodgepodge melange um mm. in like what is more or less a mega city yes yes and the cool thing about punk town is that the city itself is as much a character as raymond chandler's los angeles or the uh los angeles of blade runner or gotham city or metropolis uh more similar to to uh, Blade Runners, Los Angeles, or Gotham City, maybe a strange hybrid, or as you said, Mega City One. Um, but it is—it's a type of setting where you go in, you expect possibly uh, just straight science fiction, but you get—you um, get a strange and interesting mix of storytelling styles. Jeffrey uses it as a canvas to paint uh, all the types of stories that he's interested in. You can have crime stories, uh, noir, horror, science fiction, and sometimes just really personal stories that just happen to be set in, in punk town. And you get a little bit of all of that in this collection. Right. Just because the, the setting itself is so like vast and open-ended. Um, that, that you you can do almost anything in punk town mm -hmm. um so it, it to the point where you know any one of these stories could have taken place um anywhere you know in any situation um but punk town ends up being a connecting the connective tissue that like kind of like they all hang on um and they all have like little uh, self-referential bits in them, 
mm-hmm. kind kind of like Marvel comics from the seventies, sixties, and seventies did. You know, they they it, it's it's a clever way to world build because you don't have to go completely hog wild on details, right? But you mentioned something that happened the la- um, in the last story or a couple stories ago, and and, and it kind of it serves to tie it together and all the connections that are made beyond just that one or one or two sentence thing um, are, are in the, all in the reader's mind. So essentially mm-hmm. punk town is built in the reader's head. Yep. Yep. It's sprawling, uh, sprawling metropolis. One of the things that I liked about how he, he connects those stories um, with just little side references of, you know, the character of one story passing one of the characters from the other stories. In in my copy, it's usually the story previous that cr- that kind of crosses over. Yeah, my, um, mine as well. I think they have the, it's the same TOC in both of these. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it it makes it feel like it, almost like one of those anthology series. Like Thieves World. Yeah. But it also gives you this um, this feeling in your head that the city, as large as it is, is pretty interconnected as all of these events are transpiring within a similar timeline, a time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, and and probably within a week or two of each uh, other. Yeah, I think there was something that had been mentioned like an events happened a couple of years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely like some things like um, in the story, the flaying season, mm-hmm. um, the, the character from that, she runs into the uh, character from pink pills, which is mm-hmm. the previous story. Yep. Yep. And uh, heart for heart's sake. Uh, those characters, uh, the character in the next story, I, I, don't have the table of contents memorized. Uh, well, the, mentions the, going to see an art performance by the characters in that story. Right. Yes. So it's 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 very clever because it it does it's not like a huge bit of effort had to be put into um, making it all hang on these these this framework. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really effective. Um, and like I like I had said, it's one of the reasons why Marvel I think was so effective in their, in the silver age and the bronze age is because they, they did a lot of self before there were crossovers and everything. They did a lot of uh, these little self referential things where, you know, you'd be uh, reading fantastic four and in the background, you'd see Spider-Man. Right. Right. And, and it gives you this nice sense of continuity to the collection, even though each story is firmly independent, but it, but the continuity works without being obsessed with continuity. Yes. Um, it, 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 when I was reading it, it reminded me, and maybe just because I had just reread this book, it reminds me a lot of, um, the Martian Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, just because th- that book in particular all, has always struck me as a book that has a continuity that isn't a continuity. Um, mainly because the way Bradbury wrote it, um, a lot of those stories were published separately. 
in different magazines and everything, and they were not meant to be interconnected. Right. But when he um, put out the anthology, he he tweaked it so that they would be interconnected. Um, but he didn't do it enough to make it seamless. <laughs> so you could tell where Bradbury was pushing and pulling and folding and and and, and tweaking. Mm-hmm. Um, here you didn't need that, even though it has that kind of same flavor of loose um, connectivity associated with it. Nothing hard, nothing fast, just really loose. Um, this feels more organic because um, I think all these stories were written with punk town in mind mm-hmm. um, a- as a thing. Right. So there you go. He's, he's, he's better at this than Ray Bradbury. Now, which is a high compliment. Cause I love Ray Bradbury. <laughs> one of my favorite science fiction authors. Well, yeah, Jeff, Jeff is one of the best in the business. Uh, he's been a longtime supporter of the show. Uh, back in the early years of the podcast, he did uh, contribute a, a bit of a bumper. Yep. That was really great that we use a lot in some of the older episodes. Maybe we'll resurrect it for this one. Uh, no, sadly, I, it got lost. Oh, sorry. That's okay. No bumper. Um, so what was your uh, favorite story? Hmm. hmm. Uh, I'm going to ask the... Here I am asking the tough questions. That is actually a tough question because there are a lot of stories that are really, really cool in this. Um, I'm going to say, like, just I'll give you like a couple that I really, really liked a lot. Okay. okay? So the first one that I really, really liked was uh, Wakasashi. Yes. Um, and I'll go into why I like all these in a minute. Um, the second one that was really cool, I thought, was um, Immolation. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, the last few stories, the the longer stories, right? Um, I thought were really good from like Unlimited. Well, really, like from Immolation on down, mm-hmm. were like super, super good. Um, uh, and I say that because there's no bad stories in here I mean, i'm gonna take the easy way out and say the the my least favorite piece here is probably the poem right right <laughs> the ballad of moose cock lip mm-hmm. um, just because i'm not a huge fan of poetry you're not a huge fan of poetry but it seems like kind of uh it, it gives this flavor of kind of a folk song or something you might hear in punk town kind of like a ballad of bonnie and clyde sort of thing Right, or Halo um, Jones, Ballad of Halo yeah. Jones, just to get it back in that 2000 AD kind of flavor. Yeah, um, Wagasashi is, uh, I've mentioned it to you in the past, one of my all-time favorite short stories. It's like right up there with Hemingway's The Killers hmm. uh, as, as one of my favorites. There's just something I love about this story, and in and it's short, but it's so poignant as well. Uh, I would say in my other favorite uh, story in this collection would be the final cap piece story, Nom de Guerre. Um, really because it has that, that crime fiction 
thing going on and, and a really cool concept yes and very cool concept really high concept sort of uh sort of piece but those are my two top two favorite stories is wakazashi and uh nam daguerre interdimensional evil twins mm-hmm. <laughs> and and honor duels between corporations yeah that's pretty cool too with uh hardcore Mercs. assassin squads yeah right it's like it's like uh cyberpunk smoking aces <laughs> yeah now it's funny uh because in my mind um i'm comparing this a lot to uh judge dread to 2000 ad um mm -hmm. to to that like kind of semi-comical um dystopian science fiction that mm -hmm. that you get like in early judge dread stuff um the stuff that i grew up reading the stuff that's more satire yeah the, the earlier the earlier stuff which is definitely more satire and more i won't say tongue-in-cheek but more uh commentary mm -hmm. um well it's still commentary but it's a different tone now anyway and you are comparing it um favorably to cyberpunk mm -hmm. um so i asked jeffrey uh, about um whether he or not he had um been reading judge dread uh, okay. i just came out and asked uh, um I'll, I'll read you the whole exchange uh we're getting ready to review the first punk town collection i just wanted to ask were are you a fan of the judge dread comics it seems there's a hint of mega city one in paxton this is jeff's reply hi steve i've seen the two judge dread movies but have never seen the comics i started writing about punk town in 1980 um and while of course punk town morphed over the years as even a real city would it's still pretty much the same as i first conceived it i also get very naturally comparisons to blade runner and the use of the label cyberpunk however punk town even precedes the film of pkd's novel um, which he hadn't actually read until the movie came out and the coining of the term cyberpunk which i believe was first used around 1982 uh i was thoroughly i was though admittedly inspired by star wars uh, my favorite part of the first movie was the cantina and i thought wouldn't it be cool to have a whole novel set in a place like that interesting yeah so i can definitely see i can definitely see uh how the cantina scene in star wars um in it would influence that but it, you know, it also has that kind of a little bit of uh, Chinatown in there. Um, you know, forget about it, Jake. It's Punk Town, right? Well, now think of this. Think of the time. So if if if, um, if JT is starting to write this stuff in the eighties, right, in the early eighties, nineteen eighty, right. That's right around the same time that um, Mega City One uh, became a you know Judge Dredd became judge dread it might have mm -hmm. dread might have preceded it by a couple of years i want to say 78 right but it's still right around the same time mm -hmm. blade runner comes out in 82 right is that 82 i think it's 82 i mean 
um, and Gibson um, publishes Necromancer um, around the same time as well. So, if we if we look at Punktown as not being a circa two thousand book, which is when it was first published, but a circa nineteen eighty concept when it was first conceived, mm -hmm. then we have a whole different ball game. Then we can see where the 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 um the matrix, if you will, no pun intended, of of um just growing up in that era and how that produces things like punk town, mega city one, uh, you know, Neo Tokyo, um, mm. the Los Angeles of blade runner, the San Francisco that. of, uh, neuromancer. Right. Uh, well, ne neuromancer way, blade Neo runner, ne neuromancer blade runner was Neo was Tokyo. Was it Neo Tokyo? I thought it was all in like, it was Neo Tokyo. And then the parts, uh, it, Starts out in Neo Tokyo, and they go to the Sprawl, which is the East Coast, which is more or less Mega City One. Okay, um, and then they head out into space and go to uh, to uh, whatever the fuck that satellite was called, where uh -huh. the where Wintermute was. Right. It's been a while since I've read Neuromancer. Yeah, but anyway, but the the concept of there there being like these huge sprawling megalopolises where crime is rampant and life is cheap mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, is totally like an, a 1980s thing right and I, I think that came, comes out of like your your Nixon era because a lot of, a lot of the folks came the writing that you know were coming out of the that that Nixon and and this real you know post Vietnam negativity right yeah and, well, and that, when people and you get a lot of dystopian fiction not just not just um you know things like mega city one or punk town or 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 uh you know this various cyberpunk settings um but you also you know you start getting you know those cold war um armageddon situations with the early reagan administration yeah, of course. I mean, well, not only that, but you have the beginning of the corporate takeover of the West mm -hmm. um, is in that period, too. Yes. Um, so, I mean, now, you know, right now we 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 just see Disney gobbling up um, Sony and Fox. And I think they own every media except for Warner Brothers. And that's coming next. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's where all this started <laughs> because before Reagan, there was regulations to prevent that from happening. And Re Reagan, right. you know, threw that shit out the window and now we it opened it up mm -hmm. so that we can have this like fucking, um, this, this, uh, cyberpunk nightmare happening right around us. Well, and it's, and it's really interesting thing because, you know, over, over the past, uh, 18, 19 years, we've seen, you know, as you said, you know, these, these companies merging and becoming these larger, massive, you know, construction constructs um, that, that dominate 
economy, entire economies. Yeah, I mean, if um, you if you recall in Neuromancer, when they when um when when they jacked in and got on the internet or what mm-hmm. uh, cyberspace, mm-hmm. the literal cyberspace, uh, companies were these huge bright pyramids of of lights surrounded by um, security programs called ICE. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fast forward to now, and that's pretty much how I picture things like Disney or PepsiCo. Exxon. Yeah. Just that, that's how I, I in my mind, that, and that's, you know, probably because I grew up reading, uh, you know, William Gibson and, and Judge Dredd and shit. Mm-hmm. Well, you <laughs> also Punk, you also Town, have go ahead. But Punk Town totally fits into that, mm-hmm. um, but was published twenty years later, and now like thirty years gone mm-hmm. from that. Uh, Forty years gone. Sorry, dang, I'm old. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, you know, and it's still kind of relevant because we could we could look at uh, a place like Punk Town. And I'm sure in in 2000 it was kind of like a shocking place, um, but I, just reading it, I'm like thinking that just kind of sounds like New York in the 70s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah. from what everything I hear, was a hellhole, but it's not that bad. <laughs> right, right. It, you know, it's yeah, I, you know, <laughs> the French connection. I mean, for fuck's sake, man, you live in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Punk Town's got nothing on Baltimore. Like <laughs> East Baltimore, I'm sorry. But Baltimore can be rough. Yeah, it can. It can. Um I walked home through a section of, of town that is along the uh along Route 40 that is essentially just abandoned and crumbling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and whereas, you know, that main drag, the buildings are crumbling, they're abandoned, they're boarding up, but you know, it's like one block over it's a neighborhood. Right. And it's funny because the first story in this collection, um, reflections of ghosts Mm -hmm. takes place in like this abandoned warehouse district. And the first thought that came into my mind was fucking Baltimore. Mm Mm-hmm. Canton before the before the uh, gentrification. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and and I I I tend to agree, but uh, there's another aspect that 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 is in Punk Town and is also within the the that cyberpunk and dystopian uh, milieu, uh, and that is the private military force. Um, yeah. seeing Blackwater rise and make a lot of money in in the light of the Iraq War uh, post nine eleven, and it only seems like you know these these authors, whether whether it's Jeff or or uh, Gibson or or any or even the guys that created Shadowrun, uh, have like predicted all of this stuff. To, to a point, I mean, their timelines are off and the exact nature of technology is off, but there's a lot of the makings for something like a union war or something, something along those lines. 
right. where where everything where the lines between law and order and organized crime are really starting to blur. <clears throat> Salient yeah. to current events. Yes, sir. Now, the thing I really enjoy about this particular book, um, as opposed to um, just your general cyberpunkish kind of um, you know noirish science fiction, mm. what sets it apart to me is the stories remain grounded. Yes, in very human um, matters. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't have like the scrappy cadre of um, of space jockeys or cyber jockeys going to you know uh, get the AIs their rights back. Right. <laughs> there's there's not really a lot going on there. It's like people that you or I would normally could meet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, his his character studies are real people people yes. that you you might know um who have real emotions and go through their their real triumphs and their real um de- defeats mm-hmm. and most of these stories have that that just bittersweet feeling about them of uh, that you get when you actually tell true stories of people yeah and and surprisingly uh as bleak as the punk town setting is a large number of these stories actually have happy endings. Oh, I wouldn't go and say happy, but I would, I would say not, um, horrible, not horrible. I don't know, man. Um, let's see just to, uh, I I would say heart for heart's sake was definitely a happy ending. Um, I don't know. It was a happy ending. It was a, it was an ending. (laughs) Um, it was a positive ending, I guess. I don't know if I would classify it as happy. Uh, let's see. Um, Library of Sorrows might be considered a happy ending. Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I don't know if I would say happy because it's, it's, I mean, the guy, what's his name? Um, Mc, Mc, McDiaz, McDiaz, like, I get happy is the wrong word. It's, it's a positive change, right? Um, he he gets what he wants, but he, there's still a huge sense of loss. It's like loss and relief in the same you know breath. Unlimited daylight, and and I think that's like how they all like kind of end up is like you get a a sense of loss and release. Unlimited yeah. daylight might have a happy ending. I I, I, I would say I would say unlimited daylight has, is probably the happiest ending. Um, I think heart for heart's sake. Um, yes, there there is a there is a loss there, but the the relationships in those stories, um, it, it actually they work well as love stories, as their relationship is stronger coming out of it. 
Yeah, but um, I mean, there's some like, the, sketchy shit that happens in that. And right, there's some sketchy shit that happens in there, but they turn around and and they get through that, and and they do kind of like live happily ever after afterwards. Right. You know, yes, they have their scars, but you know that's that you know everybody gets scars. So you know. I would I would say a realistic happy ending, not a not a overblown fantasy type of happy ending, right? I mean, and and the the converse is though, there's no real like horrible endings either, mm-hmm. uh, except for maybe pink pills. Yeah, that's, pink that's pills pretty, I think has the horrible. one of the worst endings. That's pretty horrible, <laughs> but um, yeah. but you know a, a lot of. A lot of the story, the stories have to deal with compromise, mm-hmm. um, and and how just you know circumstances uh, conspire against you, and the best you can do is to roll with it and and try and make the best out of everything because no one's coming out on top at all, right? And it's it's like the old it's like the old uh, saying that when two tigers fight, one tiger dies, or no, one tiger is injured, the other one dies. And and so, you know, it's a good it's a good metaphor for just how life just actually works. Mm-hmm. Um, it just you happen to have Punk Town is the thing, you know, delivering the blows against the protagonists in these stories. Um, and it is a an irresistible force. Mm-hmm. And it becomes it becomes the 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 infrastructure, the nature of business in Punk Town uh, is what makes Punk Town the character. Is that it is able to exert influence over the characters in the stories. Um, you know whether it's you know um, the the scars of the union war in union dick or you know the 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 wealth discrepancy between you know classes in punk town and and what people will do just to survive right uh such as in heart for heart's sake or you know guys just doing their job you know, I mean, just the the occupation of of uh, violence in this in this book, um, you know, is treated very much like a, just a, a standard blue collar job, right? Um, like like Nam de Guerre, you know, these guys, um, you know, they're they're killers, they're professional, you know, assassins, right? They kill people for a living, but all of them treat it like it's it's that's that's the job you got to do to survive in Punktown. Yeah, and, and Punk Town has a lot of crime, and and you can get you can get murked quickly uh, if you just venture into the wrong neighborhood. So it does kind of have that reputation, but that really doesn't happen to anyone in any of these stories. It's kind of like a background thing. Yeah, it's kind of like a background thing. It does. It random crime does play a role in uh, Union Dick. Um. The, the wife is is murdered in a robbery right but and, but it's it's not as as uh prevalent as I was led to believe mm-hmm. 
Which, which brings oh. up a point that I want to make because we recently looked at the game, the um, mm-hmm. the RPG supplement for Call of Cthulhu slash BRP uh, Punk Town. Right. And uh, our, our main um, comment on that was that it didn't offer the flavor of Punk Town. Right. Um, it seemed more generic than Punk Town. And so I was reading this with that in mind because, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to, if, if I read through this and um, determined that, oh, well, it did, I was going to apologize. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to say I have no need to. Um, now, a lot of the descriptions, I've counted at least three or four from this book were used, paraphrased, the concepts were used in the description of Punk Town in that book. Right. And, uh, it, you know, it still just falls flat. Now, I don't want to, like, just dwell on that. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say is that Punk Town comes alive, kind of like Peter Frampton, um, in, the, <laughs> in the stories. And I don't know if you can... Um, I don't know if that trans these this type of storytelling does not translate well to role playing games, and no. I'm I'm sorry, just it's it's not it's not the same thing. You you can't tell this kind of a story by playing Call of Cthulhu. I, I just it's it's just not it's not designed for that because this isn't a horror setting, right? And it's really it's not even an action setting. No, there there are moments. Of action, there are moments of horror, but as, as we were talking earlier, when we were talking about the the stories themselves, that uh, the the lives of Punk Town are very personal things, and they do not, you cannot uh, capture this in a uh, pen and paper tabletop experience, simply because you know you have to have that you know every you have to do something every session you know you can't you can't have a role playing experience that is wakasashi right uh, you could have nom de guerre well, no, as, as a role playing but it would because lose of the it. It way would lose of role, the whole point of it right of because because to to get that point you would have to the 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 main character would be the gm character would be the narration character yeah. Rather than the player, the right. players generally do not uh, provide that much uh, emotional depth. Right. And, and if they if they do, it's how do you express that this mm-hmm. it, to to even come close to the way that it's expressed in that particular story? Um, you know, you might be able to get away with it as a like a storytelling game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not played enough of those to really or, tell you. Or if, back if in the work. Oh, back in the early two thousands in the, the days of like MSN groups and Yahoo groups and stuff like that. There were a lot of uh, play by email, more narrative free form games where yeah. you wrote yeah. stories and, and they kind of shared a continuity in a setting, but overall you were just kind of writing a story in a, in a shared setting. Yeah. See the, the, the problem is that these, the conflicts that are um, in, in this, in this book 
are not conflicts that can be resolved with dice rolling. Right. Exactly. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a shame, but like, it's not a, it's not a really a, a role playing thing. Now I'm sure you can use it as a setting and have great fun games mm-hmm. um, in punk town where you're chasing around, you know, your extra dimensional doppelgangers and, and trying to eliminate them from existence or whatever. Um, but it's just going to be another, you know, another game with a different setting. It's not mm-hmm. going to, it's not really going to have that, this flavor. To yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, you got, you have to have three dimensional characters. You have to have um, real depth of, of motion to really capture the punk town experience um, as, as it is in Jeffrey Thomas's storytelling in right. a role-playing setting and role-playing just does not offer that. Yeah, so I just wanted to like bring that up, uh, just because it was, you know, just a few weeks ago when we when we were talking about that, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want it to seem like, uh, you know, we were talking out of our asses, right? I that wanted, we were just that we we're just being mean spirited, right? Exactly. So, and here you go. So we went to the source, exactly. So yeah, definitely pick up a copy of. Uh, this book uh and and get your punk town experience off right uh and you can pick up any of the uh any any of the punk town collections uh he's got several novels set in it uh some of the the jeremy stake novels um uh there's one that's really good called monstrosity which is which is like a almost lovecraftian horror story set in punk town but it's still thoroughly punk town as Thomas envisions it. So yeah, definitely uh, pick that up, check it out. We'll have a link in the description of the video. And uh, yeah, so we want to say thank you to Jeffrey Thomas uh, for being a big supporter of ours over the years and, yeah. and, and just being an all around great motherfucking guy. The capital T capital H capital E Jeffrey Thomas. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Jeff. And that wraps it up for this time. And until next time, keep 30. Keep 30.